Well, welcome to the Regulation Podcast, brought to you by the Institute of Regulation. And once again, we hope this podcast will help you understand what regulation is all about, uh, what it's all for, and of course, why it matters to the public. My name is Anthony Oliver, and I'm going to lead today's discussion as we talk about the anatomy of effective regulation leadership and try to shed some light on the sort of people, the skills and characters that are best suited to these challenging roles. My guest today is Jonathan Morgan, partner and consultant at leading recruitment specialist Saxton Banfield. And having been the guiding mind behind some of the biggest regulation leadership appointments over the last few years, Jonathan is certainly well placed to help explain some of the secrets that make great leaders in the sector. Jonathan, welcome to the Regulation Podcast. Thanks, Anthony. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. Well, let's kick off uh, by understanding a bit more about what you do, Jonathan. Um, I mean, you've worked with a large number of regulators over the years. And on the face of it, I suppose some might describe you as simply being a headhunter. Uh, But I imagine there's more to it than simply organising and choreographing talent parades. So uh, how would you describe your role in the regulation sector? Well, we don't mind the term headhunters. Um, but I think people sometimes mistake headhunters for a Rolodex in a nice suit. Um, and if only it was that simple. Uh, we, yes, we, we yeah, at the end of the day provide candidates for jobs. But alongside that, we have to do a lot of research, um, often international research um, across sectors to get there. Um, there's a lot of advocacy involved, you know, often persuading people to take quite large pay cuts um, in the process. And at the end of the day, you're, you're advising on people and personalities as a culture match as well as just a CV. I'd say also we've got quite an important role to play in terms of increasing the diversity of the top teams of the organisations we work with um, as well. Uh, so there's quite a lot to it, all in all. OK, and I suppose many of the appointments are very senior and are of public and media interest and so quite challenging. Um, can you give us any recent examples of you know, how this challenge was navigated? But without naming any names, yeah, many CEO appointments and perhaps yeah, even more chair ones um, over the last couple of years, at major regulators. Well, you can name some if you want. <laughs> you could, your listeners could probably guess. <laughs> so some of, the, some of those have been not just of sector, but, but literally national media um, interest. And, and that can be a bonus um, at one level um, in terms of raising awareness of them, but it can also make potential candidates really quite reluctant to put their head over the parapet if a process is seen as being political or leaky or there's a preferred candidate in place or whatever else. And, and actually, this is where us being a trusted third party can really help. Uh, so it helps potential candidates and clients test the water with one another in a safe space. Uh, and sometimes our assurance of a process genuinely being fair can make a lot of difference uh, to people. And actually, it's where our long-term relationships with senior people can often mean the difference between them taking a call and giving a role a hearing or not. I mean, you, met, you mentioned being this trusted advisor um, to your clients. Um, I mean, how would you say that you do assist their approach to increasingly complex issues around people management? I mean, how do you, how do you help them get those right people? Well, so so helping them get the right people um, is the first step of that, and and that's through looking widely through us knowing those people or at least some of them, being able to assess them, psychological assessments and and that side of things. But when they're in the role, it's about helping clients make a success of those appointments and to onboard 
people and make them effective in their role. And there we can help with things like talent um, um, development, board reviews, coaching and so on. I think increasingly headhunters role uh, is actually much more of one of a leadership consultant rather than just putting bums on seats. I mean, clearly Saxon Banfield works, works across many sectors, but um, I mean, your experience means you've got a really good, um, personally got a really good understanding of the regulatory landscape in the UK and you've been doing it for quite a long while. So I mean, tell, you, tell us how you think it's changed perhaps over the last 10 years or so. Well, I think many regulators' roles are more public and more political than they used to be, and and the leadership roles within them are therefore more challenging. You've got also areas like, uh, let's take AI or environmental resilience that have moved in many sectors from the margins to centre stage. And obviously right now, the impact of things like Brexit, Ukraine, the cost of living crisis, mean that people are looking to regulators as they haven't ever really before for reassurance and answers. And actually, that's hard in a world where a regulator isn't always in a position to provide those answers. Well, I suppose, yeah, as you say, the, the, the challenges are much, much wider. Uh, I mean, what would you say um, are the, the, the really big challenges ahead that regulation leaders really need to be more aware of today that perhaps you know, that they're not so aware of? Well, I, I, I think as a headhunter, I, I always come back to people. And I think the key to facing any of those and all the other challenges that I haven't even thought of coming up are are having the people who've got the skills and experience to be able to tackle those. And all organisations and all leaders are struggling to find the balance of how to manage and motivate and retain people in a hybrid environment. And regulators face a particularly tough challenge because they're often competing against more highly paid private sector employers for people with you know, often quite niche and rare skills. So you know, finding and motivating and inspiring those people, that's, I think, the, the really tough challenge for people tomorrow. So would you say it's a, a more or less attractive sector for the brightest, smartest young professionals uh, to gravitate towards today? I think it's a really attractive area. Why would you say that? Well, I think there are not many jobs that combine the level of intellectual challenge that jobs in regulation provide alongside the ability to really change and improve public services. And that's a powerful combination for people. It's also yeah, an increasingly uh, diverse area to work in, um, yeah, both in terms of the backgrounds of people and the kinds of skill sets that they're coming with. And that creates a virtuous loop that it helps more people come in and want to work there. But it's hard, um, and it's in the public gaze. Um, and uh, as you say, you can often earn more in the private sector. Uh, I mean, is that is that is that is that something which you need to uh, overcome, or the sector needs to overcome? I think it's probably going to be always a challenge for the public or quasi-public sector to match salaries that the private sector is offering, especially in some of these emerging areas like AI and, and digital. Or indeed, yeah, other ones like anti-money laundering and so on, where there's there's a big demand for those skills. Regulators have to offer something different. So if you work in the private sector, there are lots of benefits to that. You don't have the system-wide impact uh, that you have if you work in a regulator, um, nor quite the same sense of public service. And I think those things are very appealing to people. Regulators and the private sector... Uh, can help themselves by 
enabling people to be able to move between the two. People don't need to see a move into regulation as as the last move they make in their career. It can be part of quite a varied career, including corporate roles, portfolio roles, consultancy roles, regulatory roles. And that's a very attractive career pe- people can follow. And, and I suppose that means that people can shift between sectors as well. I mean, we've let's, let's talk about leadership in regulation. We've heard a great deal in recent regulation podcasts about the people-centric nature of regulation and the need especially um, to understand the influence and drivers behind behaviour and to put in place rules and guidance that help drive better outcomes for society. I mean, from your perspective as a recruitment advisor, you know, what key characteristics um, lead people towards careers in, in the regulation sector? And I suppose, what makes them good regulators? Well, I, I think people are often pulled towards regulation if they're bright, if they enjoy solving really nutty problems, and if they're genuinely interested in making the world work better for you and I. I think that then the, the thing that makes people really good leaders within the sector are the people who can move beyond numbers and theory to the somewhat more messy motivations and drivers that lie behind human beings uh, and how we behave. So would you say that this differs from the skills and characteristics needed by any other public sector leaders? I mean, are they particularly? Uh, they have to be particularly good at um, negotiating, at at at, um, at, at, um, at building consensus. I mean, w- w- what are those skills that are needed? Actually, I think overall, there it's a very similar skill set uh, as a as a human being. Obviously, you might need more legal or economics or whatever it might be um, knowledge. I think in both cases, what is needed in spades as a leader is the need for some of them to be brave enough to speak truth to power and wise enough to know which battles to fight. Well, yeah, brave. Uh, I mean, given levels of, of public scrutiny and m- many regulation roles, um, I mean, is it, is it getting tougher to succeed in regulation? Are you, are, you more, are you more likely to be shot down? Is it, is it therefore less attractive as a career? Oh, I, I, I think it is probably a tougher ask now for people, particularly because, as you say, of that level of public profile um, and and political exposure that leaders are, uh, I was going to say asked to have, but they're not really asked, uh, told to have. I think difficult conversations with powerful people have always been part and parcel of what you do, say, as a chief executive of a regulator. But I'd say most members of the general public would have probably struggled to name, say, the CEO of Ofgem before the last year. Um, and that's changed. I don't think that makes it a less attractive career. I think in, to some people it makes it a more attractive one, but it does change it uh, and and makes you, you know, more exposed as a leader. And so you probably need a slightly different set of skills if you're going to really thrive in that environment. That That's uh, skills, I suppose, that, that um, allow you or mean that you're able to, um, to cope with that more public profile. Yeah, I think regulators have always needed to have good stakeholder management skills layered on top of that now they need to be able to do those things in public including with the media you're at the heart of talent recruitment and career development and um and you're really a firm um, supporter of the new institute of regulation um which of course is about helping to develop this vital talent i mean how do you see it helping the world of regulation i think it's because of what you've just been talking about developing talent and um the institute can help people do that through courses and networking, through attracting people 
into the sector and to think about it. And and I think that has to be a, a, a brilliant thing for the sector as a whole. Any thoughts about what might accelerate its success? It's 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 a it's a, an embryonic body at the moment. But how how do we how do we give it more pace to its uh, success? I, if if you look at all the people who are involved in it already, those people have the most fantastic networks, uh, and we all need to be talking about the institute and what it can do, and and making sure everyone else knows as well. Okay, well, let's talk about as it is your business, you know, finding a future in regulation. And I'm sure that some of the audience will be hoping to get a top job in regulator, uh, regulation in the future. Um, what tips would you give them from your vantage point about securing that best role? I think wherever you are working, you need to build respect in your sector, um, build really strong networks among your peers. Keep your nose clean on social media and be nice to headhunters when they call you. What do you mean, keep your nose clean? Does that mean steer clear of, <laughs> of social media altogether? Or, um, uh, and how far back do you need to look in your social media? Uh, worryingly far. Uh, I, don't, you know, I don't think people need to feel constrained to stay, stay off of Twitter forever. But, but I, increasingly, I do think it's wise for people to be a little bit circumspect about you know, what they're doing and how personal that is um, on there if they want to be in a, in a leadership role. Anything else you'd advise them not to do? Well, I think I'd always say to people to think carefully and in an open-minded way about what they want to do in their career and to look with that open mind at opportunities as they come up that might not be the ones that they thought that they were going to go towards. There, There isn't a set career path. Um, and I think it's always important for people to remember that not everyone will or should want to be a chief executive and that a career that does not lead you to that is not necessarily yeah, a bad career. And, yeah, and, and I suppose the, the, uh, the, another point to uh, ref- reflect on, I suppose, is that it, if you're going to get into regulation, you don't necessarily need to uh, focus in on any particular um, sector of regulation. No, and often the, the most rewarding for the individual and successful careers are ones that move between different areas. And a very large number of our clients are proactively interested in people who have got experience in more than one sector or more than one type of regulation. Okay. Well, of course, other recruitment specialists are available, but um, I mean, how do you think a business such as Saxton Banfield can help to develop the kind of talent needed to drive better regulation in the UK? So I think we're at our best as a firm when we form long-term relationships. And some of my best clients today are people I got to know when they were middle managers. And having that sort of long-term relationship is certainly useful for us and I hope very useful for them as well as they look at different opportunities and think what to do next. And I think also as a search firm, we have access to networks uh, and to people and resources that mean we're well positioned and probably have a responsibility to help sectors tackle some of the challenges they have on things like diversity. Uh, For example, we've got a program called REACH, which offers senior level mentoring to talented public servants with disabilities i think that that's important work and it benefits everyone in the longer term okay no well uh, i'm sure that uh, you'll be very welcome to hear from anyone that wants to uh, explore a, a career in uh, regulation um but finally the title of the session is understanding the anatomy of effective regulation leadership so sum it up for me jonathan what would you say are the critical character traits or skills that the best leaders in regulation all possess or need to possess? Oh, that's tough. But I'd say intelligence, courage, a willingness to listen 
and the ability to see the world as it really is rather than how we'd like it to be. Excellent. Well, I'm sure that there are many people out there who didn't realise they had those characteristics and will be knocking on your door very, very soon. So, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me today on the Regulation Podcast. A fascinating conversation for sure and some really interesting insights into the world of regulation uh, from your talent perspective. So thanks very much for sharing your thoughts today. Thank you very much. Well, thanks, Jonathan. That's all we have time for today. But as uh, usual, we have more regulation podcast plan and more guests to talk to as we continue to probe the big issues faced across the sector. And if you haven't done so already, do check out the new Institute of Regulation website. Uh, that's www.ioregulation.org, where you will find a huge amount of really useful information about the Institute uh, and about the issues and challenges facing a regulation. And, of course, you'll find all of our latest podcasts uh, for you to listen to and, I hope, to share with your colleagues. So thanks again for joining us. Thanks to Jonathan. And on behalf of the Institute of Regulation, I look forward to seeing you again very soon. 